Good evening, I'm Christian Esquera, and welcome to this episode of After the Path, where we get to see things more clearly. We get a better sense of the truth. Let's begin by dissecting the news. Senator Christopher Bongo has officially withdrawn his candidacy for president, leaving the Duterte administration with no standard better in the 2022 elections. President Rodrigo Duterte himself pulled out of the senatorial race, which wasn't exactly surprising since he wasn't seen by many to have seriously considered it to begin with. In the meantime, which candidate stands to benefit from Goss withdrawal? Can Duterte afford to play neutral? Or will he eventually pick a candidate who enjoyed the enormous resources of the outgoing administration? Be part of our discussion. Send us your questions and comments on our YouTube live chat or tweet us using the hashtag ANC after the fact. Joining us tonight is Pulse Asia Incorporated President uh, Ronald Holmes. He also teaches uh, political science at De La Salle University. Good evening, Professor Holmes, and thank you very much for joining us on the program. Good evening, Christian. So it was made official finally by Senator Pongo. He's not running for president anymore. After making that announcement, he made it formal. Uh, but basically, who do you think stands to benefit with this withdrawal by Senator Pongo? Well, I can base the response on our September survey. This is a survey that we conducted in early September. Although we had 12 names in that list of potential candidates, um, when we worked with the second choice among those who voted, let's say, for Senator Bongo, although we only had about 3% of the pre-election preference then, the ones who grabbed, who were second choice preferences for those who voted for Bongo, eventually they went to Bongo Marcos and Sala Duterte. About a third each went to Bongbong and Sala. Uh, so that's that's where it stood in September. We don't know our survey would come out soon. Uh, although in this survey that's forthcoming, we don't have the name of Bongo anymore as he officially he withdrew, although it was not official earlier. Okay, how about Sara Duterte? Is the, she's not running for president also. She's running for vice president. So does it mean that with the withdrawal of Senator Go, uh, the beneficiary will be Senator Bongo, former Senator Bongo Marcos? Yeah, um, essentially it's the same proportion. In the September survey, Sara Duterte had 20% of the pre-election preference. And when if you look at the diffusion of Sara Duterte's votes to second choice, a third went to Bongo Marcos and a third went to Bongo. So the primary beneficiary, given the withdrawal of both Sara, I mean, she slid down to the VP and Bongo, would be Bongo Marcos. Um, you have some of them going to uh, Isco Moreno and Manny Pacquiao, but that's a small proportion of those who signified preference for either Sara or Bong in the September survey. That, that September survey results, uh, how, how strong uh, was that preference of, let's say, if they didn't vote for Senator Bongo, they would go to Bongo Marcos or Sara Duterte? How, how, was there any indicator as to how solid that uh, preference was? Well, in, in that September survey, we had a question where we asked essentially how firm they are with regard to their decision, the possibility of changing their minds, and about I think a third at most said that there's a small or no possibility. And this is somehow more or less consistent across many of the candidates. 
we have to understand that uh, in single winner competitions, the firming up of their disposition only comes later, Ian. Uh, so when you ask a question among those who signify the preference for a candidate, what's the possibility of changing their votes? Many of them would either be undecided or would say that there's a small or no possibility. But subsequently in surveys that will follow, you will see that there will be some changes even in terms of the distribution preferences. So, but, Especially but, but, in this survey that we're conducting, we conducted recently, we basically had different names. We took out the names of people who did not run for the presidency. Based on experience in previous election cycles, how close uh, to election day do you usually see a firming up of uh, choices as far as voter preference is concerned? It's really quite difficult because the context for each presidential election is different. In 2016, for example, we saw um, more or less a trajectory that was pretty close to what actually were the results of the elections that came about sometime in early March. That was the time when we saw that uh, then candidate Rodrigo Duterte was catching up with both Grispo and BP Giorgio B9. And then in the subsequent survey, I think in the second or third week of March, that was the time that Grispo and Rodrigo Duterte were tied. So you will see that the tendency then was Grispo was declining and Rodrigo Duterte was gathering more support in areas that he did not have double-digit preferences, specifically in some areas in Luzon. He was already loading it over other candidates in Mindanao and Central Visayas. So that's different. That's 2016. But in prior elections, for example, Noyna Aquino in 2010, from the time that he threw his hat into the ring, he did not give up the lead. Although the support for him declined, incrementally, he eventually landed the winner in the 2010 elections from the time that he declared his candidacy. That's the do, same do, thing. do you also see that somehow happening in the case of uh, former Senator uh, Bongbong Marcos, or is too early to say? Because there, have been, uh, there, there are slides that have been uh, going around showing that he is as high as 58% as far as preference is concerned. So do you see some similarities, let's say, in the case of uh, former President Noe Aquino before, that in the case of Marcus Jr., he could also hold on to such big a preference? I, I think it's possible, but it's also improbable. It might not be possible because, again, the context is different. Uh, right now, uh, former Senator Bombo Marcos is in content. Is the other contenders are the current Vice President, Lenny Lobredo, you had Manila Mayor Isco Moreno, you have Senator Ping Lacson, Senator Manny Pacquiao, you have uh, Yodi de Guzman, uh, Parlade. Many of them would basically have not yet delivered their messages, have not firmed up what their campaign messages are. Those are things that would eventually impact in terms of both their disposition, voting disposition. The difference in 2010 was that you really had sympathy votes going for Noyne Aquino. And the call for reform resonated at that time because of the allegations of significant predation against the, the then incumbent president, Gloria Macapagaloya. Uh, right now, you have Bombo Marcos competing with candidates who have yet to articulate what their main message is. And, have, and in the absence of those messages, 
they actually have to repeat those messages and hopefully those messages will grab or mobilize the support of the voting population. Or so we don't know, Christian. Okay. The campaign will matter. Okay, in the case of President Rodrigo Duterte, so technically as we speak, he has no candidate for president, which is quite unusual for an incumbent president and a popular one at that. But if it, essentially, uh, we're still far away from the elections. If President Duterte decides to endorse a particular candidate other than, other than Bongbong Marcos, do you think, coupled with his popularity and the supposed transferability of that popularity, and also the resources of the government, of the administration, do you think he could play a game changer as far as a candidate who might defeat Bongbong Marcos is concerned? Well, he, he may. He may be a game changer. I mean, it depends really on who, who he endorses. Um, whether we can preclude the possibility of him endorsing Bombo Marcos. Uh, of course, that's a question. Uh, that's, a, that's something that we cannot in any way rule out. But, you know, we've seen how incumbents basically have failed to mobilize support for their anointed in the past. Uh, example, under, in the last election, uh, then Senator Mar Rojas, who was the candidate of the administration, supposedly had the support of majority of the governors, right? And those governors benefited from resources coming from the central government. And yet we know where uh, Secretary Mar Rojas landed in the 2016 election. Of course, he caught up, eventually landed second. But that's the myth of the government machinery. Uh, and that that machinery has not worked in the past. Um, some people will say that uh, Fidel Ramos somehow benefited from that government machinery. But I think, again, I would say that the nature of the competition in each of our presidential elections really rests with the roster of candidates rather than with who holds central government resources. Okay. It will matter, but not necessarily matter as much unless the president really dictates to the local officials who they should be mobilizing support for. Can it also be argued that President Duterte is different from uh, former President Noe Aquino as far as endorsing a candidate? That he could still uh, be disruptive in this particular uh, sense? Well, he may differentiate himself from President Noyne Aquino by really directly intervening and directly securing compliance among those who he would be distributing central government resources to. Basically, you know, most administrations, incumbent administrations, would tend to use the government budget to solicit support for their candidates. But the degree of compliance of the subnational politicians would be quite limited, unless, of course, you use the stick. Now, would President Duterte be using the stick here? Uh, again, that's a question. How about timing? Timing. Will this also play a big role here? The fact that the president, until now, doesn't have any particular candidate for president. And of course, those local leaders, local officials, have already made their decisions, at least many of them. And I've been hearing this from uh, some local officials that I have spoken with. They would say, nakapili na kami. President Duterte, hindi pa sinasabi ko so, so whether that's true or just an excuse, the timing itself, the fact that the president could not pick a candidate at this stage, how big a factor would that be? Well, that the president has not in any way selected the candidate, um, basically it means that 
you know, it would be very hard for him to really influence uh, the local, some national politicians in terms of pushing them towards supporting his anointed candidate for that matter. The other thing, Christian, that you mentioned, uh, our local politicians, local officials have already selected their candidates, but I do believe that I don't know really up to what extent they can influence the voters to even go for those candidates that they selected. Uh, anecdotally, I've, I've done research and we find out, for example, that even the political clans who dominate provinces, their followers generally vote for those political plans, but they do not necessarily comply with the request of the dominant political plan on who they should vote for, specifically wow, okay. for president or vice president. So there's a connect between the national elections and the local elections as far as command votes are concerned? Is that what you're saying? For example, there's a political dynasty. I can command the votes as far as my lineup is concerned at the local level. But the voters are left to their own devices or own choices as far as the president is concerned, for instance. Yeah, some, some political clans can command votes, but I think most political clans would be able to influence those who follow them, but they do not necessarily, cannot necessarily command those votes. Okay. Command so, so, in the case, so, so, so in that case, those who are not fading as high in the surveys, they still have a fighting chance. Yes, they do, uh, because I think what you're seeing right now is really a product of whatever narrative any of those contenders have had and have done, or any of those that support these contenders have really uh, churned out over the last five and a half years. So as I said earlier, I do believe that the campaign still matters, and um, you will see, we, we should be able to see some redistribution. I just don't know how. Uh, significant the diffusion of votes would the distribution of votes would be, but they actually, see, they actually see President Duterte playing neutral in this entire presidential campaign. Well, um, he, he, he might do a whole Aquino, which is essentially not really play neutral but tend to favor a specific candidate and be a bit more discreet about the support towards that candidate. But, but knowing the temperament of the president and also the the political realities ahead of him? Uh, yeah, uh, it's hard to predict the president because uh, actually, at, at least in the last few months, we've seen how the president's mind has changed up to the point that, at, I mean, yesterday he withdrew from the senatorial race. So let's see what what he will do next. And I, 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 I cannot second guess. Uh, anything that the president would do at this point. But he might remain neutral, but the neutrality is something that is more, uh, I mean, it's a public face, but um, he might be supporting a candidate at least um, uh, discreetly in a less than public, in a private manner. Okay. During the past several days, uh, we saw Manila Mayor Isco Moreno was running for president issuing statements in favor of President Duterte. First, he um, commended the president's handling of the pandemic. And then later on, he said he would include him in the list of uh, senatorial candidates he would vote for. And basically, it appeared that uh, to some people or to many people that he was offering an olive branch to President Duterte after their very public spat. 
especially with the way President Duterte criticized him. Now, I've been hearing this perspective that this could be strategic on the part of uh, Mayor Isco Moreno to court President Duterte's support to be able to boost his campaign. But that that alliance, do you think that would be enough to, let's say, defeat the current frontrunner in the surveys now? Well, that it may not necessarily be sufficient because eventually uh, Isco Moreno has to really deliver his own message also. Right now, his message is what? Christian Bilis Kilos. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and we, in the September survey that we had, he basically is tied with Bombo Marcos. We don't know whether there's a fluctuation or increase in terms of his preference. Um, but with the way that he has shifted from his initial position of being critical of the president incumbent administration and now courting the support of the president, um, there, that might impact even on, among the ones who have supported him before as someone who is viewed as an independent candidate. Uh, so he might end up losing some of his voters even? He may possibly lose some of the voters who were looking at him as a, what, a, an, as I said, an independent candidate, someone who is not really uh, for administration, someone who positions himself uh, separate from those who are either opposed to or supportive of the current administration. How about Senator Manny Pacquiao? I heard him in an interview saying that with the withdrawal of um, Senator Bongo, he might uh, get a big chunk of the support coming from Mindanao and the Visayas. Is the equation as easy as that? Basically uh, based on ethnic lines. Yung, yung the ethno-linguistic lines. Ethno-linguistic lines. Well, yeah, it is not as simple as that. We've had, although we've had elections where the ethno-linguistic lines do determine the extent of support for particular candidates, for presidential candidates, but whether Manny Pacquiao would be the one who would benefit from such ethno-linguistic ties among voters in Mindanao or in Central Visayas, that's something that we probably would be able to measure in a subsequent survey. In the last surveys that we conducted, we saw that his voting support in Mindanao and Central Visayas was lower than that of uh, uh, Salad Duterte and Senator Bongo. So I don't know whether the, but as I said, the votes of Salad Duterte and Bongo basically went to Bombo Marcos other than to Manny Pacquiao. Even so, in those yeah. regions, even in those provinces? Uh, I would have to check and that would have to be disaggregated. But if you're looking at the national level and you see that the share of Manny Pacquiao of the support for Salah Duterte was minimal, then you can say that if Salah Duterte's votes were higher in Mindanao and Bombo Marcos and Bongo got the share of second choice votes from Salah Duterte, then Manny Pacquiao was not in any way a beneficiary of the shift of support of Mindanaoans uh, from Salah to their second choice preference. Okay. I've also heard certain analysts or observers claim that somehow with the alliance of Senator, uh, former Senator Bongbong Marcos Jr. and uh, Mayor Sara Duterte, somehow the equation has been completed as far as victory, the recipe for victory. You have the so-called quote-unquote solid north and you have uh, Mindanao and the Visayas uh, supposedly in support of uh, Sara Duterte. First, let's talk about the, the idea of a solid north. Is there really such a thing? Uh, 
especially do you see that playing out in the 2022 elections for president? We, we did see sizable support for Bombo Marcos in 2016 coming from the two regions in the north. These are regions one and two. And as I said, this, and as I can, if I can recall, the spillover even to the Caldera administrative region, which is about two percent of the total voting population. So there's such a thing as a solid north. Uh, if you're looking at the voting support for Bombo Marcos as vice president in 2016, uh, Eastern Visayas was not as solid. I mean, later definitely Tacloban, there was significant support for Marcos. Um, so that's what we saw in the north. With regard to Mindanao, definitely in Region 11, you can expect that the Duterte support would be significant. And for that matter, it might even be transferred. Support for Sala would also be support for Bombo Marcos in that region. The other areas are open areas, and it really depends on the campaign uh, of each of these candidates. Example, NCR. Uh, NCR. and Cebu. Yeah, NCR in 2016, we saw Bombo Marcos stronger in NCR relative to Lenny Lobedo. Uh, Calabarzon, it's pretty difficult to say who would eventually take any of the that region because the provinces are quite distinct also. Um, the bigger regions really would be Region 3 and Region 4A, right? The two regions are already close to 30% of the voting yeah. population. Uh, and these, these are critical regions that uh, any of the candidates, I think that's the reason why the candidates are basically moving around these regions. Yeah. Um, and um, Central Visayas is, Central Visayas and Western Visayas are almost of equal size. Western Visayas basically went to Lenny in 2016. Bombom was weak in Central Visayas. That's probably the reason why when the first meeting that they had with Salah, if I'm not mistaken, was in Cebu, right? In Cebu. Hosted by the Garcias. So that means they've had some dealings with people, politicians in Cebu, and probably they've done some barnstorming also in a lot of advertisement and um, campaign uh, activities in Central Visayas, in Cebu and Bohol. But what if, let's say, the Garcias and end up supporting a different candidate? Let's say Isco Moreno. Well, Would that be enough to, let's say, offset, let's say, whatever advantage uh, Bombo Marcos uh, seem, uh, seems to have? Then in the districts that the Garcias would have, it's a question of whether they can command the votes of those who support them in those districts. Mm -hmm. um, um, of course, the Garcias are also fighting it out for other positions. I, I don't know who finally would be landing as governor. Of course, the final list is something that the Comelec has not in any way issued for the presidency. Uh, but in the districts that they control, whoever they support would definitely be able to benefit from whatever votes they, Garcia's can mobilize for that candidate. Professor uh, Ronald Holmes, thank you very much for joining us tonight on the program. Thank you, Christian. We're going to take a quick break after the fact we'll be right back.